I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiasts. This is Fairway Rollin' presented by FanDuel. Elevated events, majors, and more are coming up, and FanDuel is here to help you line up a win during the PGA Tour season. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Hello, friends. Welcome to this golf podcast, unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends. We are doing it. This is Fairway Rollin', the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. My birdie buddies, my par-saving pals, I am your starter, Joe House joined, as always, by my incomparable accomplice, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground and in the kitchen, because this week he might have hosted a couple of PGA Tour members in his kitchen out there in Los Angeles. But we'll get to those stories soon enough. Speaking of stories on today's episode, Megan Schuster from The Ringer, who has been tracking this Netflix phenomena full swing. For us, she's on. She has a story up on TheRinger.com. She gives us some of her reaction to the season. We get into that whole deal with her, but we have an unbelievable finish to the West Coast swing that we need to celebrate. We'll go off as a two ball, two pegs in the ground. My friends, let's get it going. Nate Dog, are you still hungover? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're telling the truth. <laughs> I'll get better. It's okay. Just beware the 
miscut golfers, man. God. You had two of them in your house, right? I had multiple in my house. Multiple in your house. Yeah. Should we name names or should we just keep it clean? We'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean for now. I appreciate Yeah, we'll we'll protect the innocent. I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you this. Uh, I got a very nice text from tournament leader Max Homa on Saturday morning uh, apologizing for bailing out, which of course we all knew that he was going to bail out when he finished with the lead. Uh, and literally three minutes before his tea time, he sent a very gentlemanly text. And uh, that's when we knew Max was going to be locked in. And we just, we got such a great week of golf that was the perfect end to the West Coast swing that answered a lot of questions about who's the best player and maybe in parentheses players in the world. We got Tiger. We got Riviera in all of its glory. I I just, this was one hell of a week, House. So we, on this podcast a week ago, gave credit to His Holiness Eldrick Tiger Woods for observing the sporting landscape, taking note of the particular moment in the American sporting schedule and calendar and saying, you know what? I think I'm going to go play this event that, that I'm the host of. And not only did Tiger Woods go and play in the event, he told us on Tuesday that he intended to win the event because he still will not countenance competing in any event that he doesn't think he can win. Hmm. And then he walked all over Riviera with a bounce in his step that we haven't seen since his accident. Now, this was Thursday and Friday. And so the Friday Sports Center, you know, I I, I mentioned this in the conversation with our beloved Schusty. What a moment for for golf on the national sporting scene, on the national scale that Tiger Woods gave us alongside the very best players in the world playing ridiculously awesome golf, right? I loved it. I I felt like Tiger was a tale of two cities this week, though. Sure. Thursday, he had a little bit of bounce, but I, I, like, watching him come in from the parking lot, watching him, he is hurting at every step. I'm not even sure walking is the right way to say it, right? And, and Well, Nate, come on now. We were at the Masters last year. Yeah. That was what he he was 500 times better than at the masters yeah but i gotta say saturday it didn't look great excuse me friday it didn't look great the what's encouraging though right is he came back after a friday round that was pretty poor all the way around and did what he did on saturday which tells me that he's out of the i'm permanently unable to really do this and that his performance is going to start high on Thursday. And by the time Sunday rolls around, he's going to need a wheelbarrow to get his ass off the course. It, it's going to be day to day how he feels. And I'd much rather have, to your point, that version of Tiger, where even if he has a bad day on Friday, he could come back and have a good day on Saturday and maybe also Sunday than what we saw at the Masters, which was just, it, it, it was just hard to watch. He was just absolutely suffering. The only thing that we're going to have to get our heads around is whether it's possible for him 
to put four rounds together, or if it's he's just not going to be able to do it consistently. And you know, we can expect maybe two good rounds in a weekend, and he'll make a cut. But we're we're just not going to get four. Did you see anything that that gave you optimism that we might get four good days out of this guy in a major this year? The only thing holding him back is the his his, his constitutional ability to to walk the a difficult golf course. And you know, you can tell the people Riv is not an easy walk. That's a hard mfing oh, walk. Yes, it's not Augusta hard. No, but it's it's not leagues you walk behind all that. All the way down to the bottom of the canyon, canyon. and then you got to walk all the way back up. I just Saturday he goes from seventh off the tee, eighteenth on approach, sixteenth in putting, tied for third in st- shots gain overall. S- Sunday he leaves every single putt short, loses over a stroke and a half on the greens, loses a stroke off the tee, uh, it loses shots on approach barely, but still, I th- was that his leg. Or was that reps in competition, do you think? It's rust. It's just rust. That's all. You know, and, and the conditions did change daily. That's the one of the beauties of, of this particular tournament at the time of year um, that it is. And and just the, the weird vagaries of uh, Los Angeles weather. Like, you, you know, you guys yeah. had an extraordinarily wet winter up to this moment. And then, you know, you had some... some uh, you had everybody was was in long sleeves on you know Thursday. And it then was as freezing. The, surprise, yeah. surprise. Tiger went off on the afternoon tea time on the, <laughs> the morning. I think he knew what he was doing. I think he did too. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's fine. Yeah, look, the the headline is, you know, I watched him uh, last year limp around this place. Yeah, and and it was great to see him, and he had a brightness to his countenance. But he looked like a physically handicapped man. And he still is ambling at best. He is hurting. He is going very slowly. But the game that we saw these on Thursday and Saturday was better than game that we saw at all last year. The best game. That's exactly right. Great point. And if, he, if he's going to be able to be T3 in shots gained overall, it tells you that it's still in him. I mean, I, look, the, the the tampon handoff to to Justin Thomas aside, he was out driving Justin fucking Thomas. Right. There, there's no hiding that. You know, we were skeptical at the um, hit and giggle event that he did with Charlie uh, in December from, where is that, Tiburon, where they're showing swing speeds where he's competing and, and the match. Right. Both, both right. of those events. Match. where yeah. we're we're it like, was the eh, matter. Yeah. Are they goosing like, are the numbers? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? You can't hide him hitting driver out past the boys, and, and you know he's right there with Rory. He outdrove Rory on eighteen, uh, and you know he was consistently past JT. Yeah. Uh, you know you, you can't you can't fake that. And then some of the wedge play was unbelievable. It was reminiscent of it brought us back, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the putter, the putter was definitely rusty. Leaving leaving things short, he just did not adapt to the speed of the greens. And he told us that that was because he just needs to get more competitive reps and get into the flow of a tournament and adjust as those greens change. H- how do you how do you respond to to what we heard him say in in response to a question from KVV that was basically the question started into Do you ever see yourself being a 
ceremonial golfer in these events. And before the question was finished, he just said, nope, nope, nope. If I don't think that I can play and win, you will not see me in these events. I'm gone. And there was just this moment of him not being able to get his head around where he may actually be. I don't mind delusional Tiger. It's fine. But uh, do, do you do you think is he is he mentally uh, like in a different place? Does he know where he is physically? Is he crazy to think he can win? I want him there because maybe he can. So I don't think he's crazy to think that he can win. And I was nonplussed by by that response. It's exactly see I we didn't have the benefit of of actually observing him walk, observing him swing how fluid things looked. I mean, it's just such a vast improvement over the version that we saw last year, like him walking across the Swilkin Bridge, not even really pausing for a tip of the cat. Like the way that the Open Championship ended, it was like, damn it. It feels like that it, the chapter's over and we ought to, to just go ahead and make peace with the fact that he's never really going to compete in a serious way ever again. And then this version of him emerges that's been really under wraps like we didn't the, the the match didn't show us anything him playing with charlie didn't show us anything mm-hmm. this was a competitive golfer that we saw thursday and friday after he gave that comment on tuesday and and i said oh, on thursday and friday the uh you know the 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 jubilation as a person who just is overwhelmingly appreciative of being able to see um, the greatest uh, I've ever played, you know, continue to to compete. He he can win the eighty. He can win his eighty third event. Like well, I'm not I'm not ready to to cross cross that off the list. I, I was down at the bottom end of the course as he birdied sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen to to finish on Thursday, and it was the just just feral joy that I felt hearing those roars. You just it was the biggest biggest crowd that. I've ever seen at Riviera on a Thursday, to be sure. 92, 94% of the crowd was following Tiger's group. And just hearing those cheers amble down the canyon, it was just so great to hear that in person again. But I will say, House, watching him walk, I'm more pessimistic than you are about his ability to actually win a tournament. I think it's going one out of four days, two out of four days, he is still physically handicapped. It is incredible what he's doing out there. Agree, the back looks better, but the leg just, he is struggling to get around for four straight days. And I can't imagine that one of those four days, he's not going to struggle in a way that when you're up against John fucking Rom, who this is the first time we've talked about him, when you're up against <laughs> yeah, we're Max, 10 minutes in. Max fucking Homa, when you're up against Scotty Chef, there are so many strong players that it's going to be hard when you're going in with that weakness. It's just going to be hard to see. I hope it happens. It will be probably, in my view, more epic than the Masters win because he, he had a functioning ankle and, and foot and leg in, in 2019. But it would be incredible, but I just, I call me, call me. I'm okay being the pessimistic skeptic. I just saw a man who is in deep pain and probably psychologically not capable of owning that part of of his his physical disability. So that that that's fine. And just to be 
super duper clear about it. Um, uh, all I'm doing is countenancing the possibility uh, of you're an additional win. You're where, manifesting. Where, where previously I it was it was out of the picture, and and yeah. what he he did was he reintroduced hope for uh, continued competitive golf. Who knows how many events he'll be able to to pull off? I mean, it seems like seven or eight at the very 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 oh, most dude i i just six, think six yeah. I, I mean if you, you expect him to compete in all four majors yeah, and, and not then, much more a, yeah amanda's question after after sunday was when can we expect to see you and and he i mean four or six weeks does if it takes four or six weeks to recover from walking four days of golf something's terribly wrong i think it just hurts him so much that he's yeah. he's he's not going to want to get up and do it for much more than riv I'll be stunned if he plays API and and players. He he gave a pretty good indication that you're not going to see me much more than the majors because it hurts too bad. Yeah, I, I'd be thrilled if we see him there. I just it, Memorial API and and players are the only ones I could imagine that he's going to go do outside of this tournament and the majors. Well, and and you know we'll just remember the the context. We've hit it on it already. He he is the show. He is the brand. This thing. This television show that the PGA Tour is putting on is catching mass eyeballs when he's out there on the on the show, and so he he will make a, a decision about what he's capable of. API makes more sense to me than the players because, like, yeah. why go get your brains bashed in at 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 um at Sawgrass? But uh, and and API with all the success that he's had there, and and there, it, it it couldn't be a flatter walk. Um, for the purposes of these elevated events, as you look at the calendar through the balance of the year, if he shows up to it, it's an event and you know, it's, it, there will be eyeballs. Well, look, it is an event, but what we learned the last two weeks is that it's an event. If he's not there too, the leaderboard was awesome this week. And once again, you had in the early parts, JT flirting a bit, Scheffler hanging around, Morikawa up, Cantlay there, Will Zalatoris, welcome back. It's nice to see you. We got to figure out how to get you putting better. But still, you know, we didn't even have Rory at the top of the leaderboard. And it was a great, great tournament with a great leaderboard. This is exactly what we wanted. The best golfers in the world on a majestic golf course fighting it out for, hey, a lot of money, but everybody trying hard. Homa in tears because he didn't win this golf tournament. Rom with his family. It just had all of it. And again, if you don't like this, you don't like golf. This is golf. This is what it is. This is about the best it can be. Kudos to CBS, by the way. I only saw a little bit of telecast because I was, I was there a lot, but it sure looked beautiful. They've made a lot of changes. Like, we're doing the right things. Now, the question is, how big of a market is there for this? We'll talk about that with Shusty a little bit, whether this is going to grow the game or not. Did you enjoy this? Who, me? Yes. I mean, I, I, I live for it. Like, what, what do you mean? I watched every, every single minute. Of course I enjoyed it. The, this West Coast swing could not have been any any better for the tour or for Joe House. I mean, it was a, it was a 12 out of 10. We went back to back with Phoenix and 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 Riv and and to again your point I just want to add my own kudos the presentation of Riv Riv is the star of of the show right for for sickos like us mm. and they did a great job of of you know delivering what Riv is is all about the course played hard I mean you know yeah, very difficult 
the 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 truth of the matter is that John Rahm got every lucky bounce and he won the golf tournament. But that's you know taking that luck and converting it into success is it, we're we're not being dismissive in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. he, he turned every lucky bounce into a W. Yeah, there are two holes that need a rethink, and it's the fourth hole, which is a par three, where it, it, the green runs super downhill front to back, and it's just impossible to keep it there. With the Kikuya in the position there, you just can't hold the green. And then I do think that a lot of the... I love the 10th hole. Give me all the 10th hole. And and let's be clear, like it played a real factor in that last round, right? Rom almost had a disaster on, on and that And Ma- Max Homa birdied it all four rounds. All four rounds. So, But I, I hear the player argument that a good shot on that hole is not really rewarded and that maybe, you know, if they're going to get a U.S. Open, that they've got to resod the front of that green with some different grass so that it actually can reward a shot that's placed well onto the green. They're, or or they got to keep that green a little bit softer, maybe. Yeah. They're going to need to think about how to manage the course a little bit. But look, he, I'll tell you why Max lost and why, and why Rom won. I think... This is a shot maker's course. And Rom was first in approach. He gained 11.9 strokes on approach through the course of the weekend. Max, on the other hand, was first in putting, gained 11.3 strokes. He had 93 putts, one off the record for fewest putts across a 72-hole event. Thank you, Justin Ray, for that stat. On tour. On tour. That was the difference, wasn't it? It was that John was just relentless in his placement. And honestly, Max, I think if the tournament was lost, and I don't think Max lost the tournament, I agree with him that he made Rom go win it. But the, he probably lost the tournament on Saturday with the bogeys on 15 and 16. And those were bad swings. Those were really bad, uncharacteristic Max iron swings. And suddenly, Rom had a three-shot lead after that big putt on 18. And it just felt like... I mean, I watched Rom in the players' dining at Phoenix when... They put up Golf Channel, put up a, a montage of his uh, uh, disappointments there. And he was surrounded by his family, a table of probably I don't, 10, 12 people. He stopped and just watched it. The sound wasn't even on, but he just watched it. John Rahm has been paying attention. He has been playing with a little bit of anger about the world golf rankings with the chip on his shoulder. And you just felt like watching him after his round on Thursday six under, he bounced his ass into the clubhouse so happy. So I just said, there's no way he's not going to win this golf tournament. And I think it's a credit to Max that he almost did. But just, you give John Rahm a three-shot lead, it's going to be pretty damn hard to beat him. Yeah, and that's a that's a good, you know, takeaway. I mean, the same thing was, was true with Scotty Scheffler last week at, at Phoenix. I mean, this is why these elevated events are delivering the payoff in both instances Guys had chances to grab the golf tournament down down the stretch. I mean, you know, if if, if uh, John Rahm doesn't almost hit a hole in one on sixteen, um, and or if, if Max could have have matched that birdie, you know, and it was still the case even coming into eighteen that if Max had been able to birdie, it would have put some pressure on Rahm, and who knows what would have happened. Now Max didn't uh, make birdie on eighteen. His chip from the rough, God, that was tantalizing. Yeah. Um, you know, just it didn't drop, and then Rom was able to have a perfectly uh, comfortable lag. But that this is, you know, it was it was wonderful drama to watch yes. because the and, stage was great, and the players were great. 
and and I'm just going to be left. I mean, Brahms' greatness is what it is, right? I mean, I I think we've we the entire thinking coming into this season was is Rom or is Rory the best player in the world? And certainly coming out of this tournament, we have our answer. <laughs> it's the putter, Rory. Sixth in approach, 38th off the tee, 23rd around the greens. But he lost almost five strokes with the putter and was basically dead last of guys on the weekend. Yeah. So that that's what's holding him back. And you just wonder if he's wearing the weight of being shadow commissioner and it's getting a little bit in the way. He answered a lot of questions this week about... Uh, the future of these elevated events and the like, but but we got we got our answer, which is that John Rahm is the best golfer in the world right now. Is it close? Well, not not at the at, not at the moment, but the only thing that I'll say as a Rory truther, he is out of his normal cadence, right? Because the 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 way that these elevated events you know took shape and form calendar wise, he he would just now he he has played. Riv um a bunch of times, but like, you know, he 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 would would have just arrived from the Middle East and would be sort of easing into the schedule. H- him playing Phoenix, you know, that that was uh a a, a source of, of discomfort for him, right? Yeah. Like he's not ready to arrive in the US and start grinding giant events. I'm just saying from a from a perspective of you, you know, creature of of of, of uh, custom and, and routine. Yeah, it's a different thing for him altogether. I mean, you know, I'm making excuses, but yeah, uh, you are. You're making excuses. That's the purpose of these elevated events. It's to answer the questions. I think who's the best golfer in the world right now? Because it sure feels like Rom was right about the official world golf rankings. That even the live stuff aside that they're not answering in this moment in time, who's the best damn golfer in the world. And so I love that we have these events with all these guys on great courses to go prove it. And right now, you know, Rory's got to take a step back and go, well, shit, it's not just John Rahm I got to worry about. Well, shit, it's not just Cam Smith coming over from Liv, but it sure looks like Max Holmes for fucking real. And it's um, sure... You mean yeah. Scotty Scheffler certainly right there. Yeah, and oh crap, here's Colin Morikawa. He gained two, you know, almost two strokes off the tee this week. He's 31st in approach. You know that's going to get better. You know what's scary as hell? He's fifth around the green and 25th in putting. When Colin Morikawa is inside the top 30 in putting, he's going to win major golf tournaments. Period. So you just if if you're Rory, you got to step back and say this was a good measure, and and you can go with the Joe House truth or excuses, or you can say, man, I better put in some work because yes, I won and I beat Patrick Reed over in the Middle East. And yes, like I came in pretty hot and yes, I won the FedEx Cup. Thanks uh, to the Netflix uh, episode that documented that. But like my job is to go win majors. And right now I look like I'm maybe fourth or fifth. Come on. It's February. Let's let's not. You don't you don't win any majors in February. Augusta is 50 days away. Less than 50 days, Nathan. Um, but right, that's the point. We're in a violent agreement. It's it's 40 whatever days away. It's not it's not next week. It's not two weeks from now. There's a few more events between here and there, including uh, events that he's had success and, and that he's comfortable at, the Arnold Palmer and the players. So if we're having this conversation and it's, you know, mid-March and then he... he 
you know, is is sort of limping around at the at the players, then I'll I'll countenance what we're, the, the way that you're trying to drive this thing. But yeah, r- right Let's now I'm not I, I'm not concerned. He's got to fix the putter, and, and if he does, he, he's going to be just fine. Well, well he's done last... with Poa. He's done with Poa. Yeah, I mean, so... we're not doing any more West Coast Poa. No. But there are some interesting takeaways from this West Coast swing, aren't there, House? I mean, that, like the the Rom Rory uh, uh, Max stuff is very interesting. Cantlay, he's been great in California as well, and he almost snuck up and won that tournament. If he could have putt, I mean, for crying out loud, he he barely gains shots putting. He's first tee to green. If he could have putt, he's going to win that golf tournament. But Again, I know he's. I, I know. I know what he did was uh, falling into the similar pattern of how you look at him. But but there's some other guys that we we got some answers about. Like wh- what's going on with JT? Like he's been around it, but I mean he lost strokes off the tee. He lost almost three shots on approach. Like he his short game seems to be great, but I'm a little bit more concerned about this performance just because the stats on his ball striking aren't very good right now. He's tired. He wants to go home. He just got married. Let the guy go home and, and you know, have some time with, with his wife. Just He just he wants to relax. This elevated event thing coincided in exactly the wrong way with his, his wedding. You know, he, he planned yeah. his wedding so far in advance at a time on the calendar when it would have, in, in, in any year but this year, it would have been very safe. Yeah. And it, it just happened to bump into this, this stretch. Like, I'm willing to extend the same courtesy to Jordan Spieth, who missed the cut. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, but he 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 played to his credit the week after uh, JT's wedding. Um, but you know, b- both of those guys, I'm interested in seeing when we really get cooking here um, in March with the API and the 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 players. That that's the time to me to really start taking stock of of, of some of these dudes. The guy that that I'm thrilled to see. And that I want to see keep keep seeing, you know, with with top twenty fives and you know note noteworthy shots on Saturdays is Ricky fucking Fowler. That you know dude, it, baby. let's go, man, let's go. He's looking good. He's looking strong. You're finally coming healthy. over to my side of the fence well, on this one. All all I, all he had to do was go see Butch. He he, he came yeah. around to Butch's side of the fence. That's all. I don't ask for yep. much. The yep. swing looks awesome. Yep, and we and we talked about it. Last week, but I, I do think you watch that Brooks episode of Full Swing and you realize, man, he was at a very, very low emotional point where he had every reason to be doubting his game and his ability. And Brooks took the money and, and Ricky was definitely in the same place for definitely a longer period of time. And he definitely had a giant offer. And Ricky decided to go do the work, make some changes, uh, be, you know, a growth mindset and go fix it. Love it. Love, love Ricky. Back on Ricky. Do it. Am I going to be the middle-aged guy that dresses up that JT makes the quote about that, you know, is going to dress <laughs> up York. like a, like a traffic cone. Am Traf- I going to be that guy? No, I might. You're not. You don't, you, you don't think I'll I'm tell do you it? what you would have dressed up for your boy, Tom Kim. But I do think house. One of the things that we learned on this swing is it, we looked at his stats coming in and we said, all right, he, he's one, some golf tournaments. He's won them on some not so amazing courses against some so-so fields. There were some things in his approach game and in particular off the tee that seemed to be a little bit concerning to us. He shows up at Riv and listen, he's still making cuts. He's still 
a, a good golfer. But if we were looking for the kind of run that we've gotten here from Rom out of Tom Kim, he's fallen back to earth a little bit. He was magical around the greens, but he's still losing strokes off the tee on approach and putting. So t- tell me, are you worried about Tom Kim? You know, when we had the season premiere show, we were together in each other's company in, in early January. And, you know, we're doing the thing like who who could really, you know, catch fire over this upcoming season. And I was very um, bullish on Tom Kim. And we recognized in that conversation the thing that he was going to encounter is exactly what we've watched him encounter, which is going to these places for the first time and experiencing these tournaments and these golf courses for the very first time, there's an orientation period. He is not a talent, as talented as he is, that shows up for a first time and Mm -hmm. wins a tournament. And, and, you know, just to be fair about it, because not now, I I mean, I really feel like the treatment that Colin Morikawa got, we asked, we talk about this with, with Schusty, I can't believe what Netflix did to to Colin Morikawa. But Colin Morikawa showed up at the British Open, you know, two years ago and won the fucking thing the first time that he put his feet on the grounds of of that venue after missing the cut at the Scottish Open, you know, previously. So, like, very little experience with Lynx Golf. And then he went out and, and, and won. Tom Kim, different cat, young fellow. I mean, he's no, he's he's a young kid just having the time of his life playing these events and these venues for the first time. So this is the uh, instructive moment. Like he's, he's playing pretty, pretty damn good, um, but just not quite up to the level where he's going to be at the top of leaderboard in these kinds of events at this moment in time. And I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a, (laughs) it's a testament to him that we're talking about this basically what, Eight months after he first came on the scene, when when we came on the pod and picked him because we knew how many points he needed to grab to 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 get his full tour membership, but uh, now he's finishing tied with Tiger Woods at Riviera. He's doing just fine. It's just he's still got a little more of the learning curve to move up, and that's all well and good. I don't necessarily. I'm not meaning to write him off, but he has fallen back a little bit to earth. Listen, you, there. You know- we, well, I just want to finish the Tom Kim thought. You know what yeah. he, he was uh, completely successful with? Took a crew to Koreatown yeah. to have them experience a, a proper Korean barbecue yeah. to show, you know, a lot of a lot of the folks that have been mentors to him, the JTs and the Jordans of the world. I don't know. I don't remember who else was a part of the entourage. Uh, a, a show of thanks by introducing him Max to, to Oh, there you go. Max, Max as well, right? A, a, a wonderful Korean barbecue. We've had many of those ourselves, Nathan Hubbard, you and I, mm. in Koreatown in Los Angeles. It's kind of a mm. one of one in terms of the variety of options and the depth of flavor that you can explore. It's just wonderful. But Tom Kim recognizing amongst his heroes, bro, let me let me show you. Thank you for all you're doing for me. Let me show you my gratitude. Come come to me. Uh, have this experience of, of part of my culture. Just love Tom Kim so much, Nate Dog. <laughs> well, we're not going to see him this week, and we're not going to see a lot of guys <laughs> this week. Speaking of earning points and, you know, try, trying uh, to... Yeah, but hey, this is okay. We live for these weeks, House, because we pay attention in between the cracks so that when a, a week like this rolls around where... The sponsor is basically bailed. It, it's totally unclear whether this event is even going to exist. 
it falls in a point in the schedule where everybody who's anybody has to take it off because they had to play the last two weeks because they contractually agreed to do it and there's a shit ton of money. This this is an event that is going to take a little bit of a hit. It's not a surprise that the Live guys scheduled their first event of the season to overlap with it because they knew that at least at the top, uh, in terms of the names, there are bigger guys playing the Live event than the Honda Classic. But there are still some very interesting things happening this week at PGA National. Yes, and I, I do have you know a couple. Just uh, we're not journalists on this show by any stretch, but. Um, there was some observation around the, the sustainability of this, uh, event The the tour has gone out of its way to tell they they're shopping for a new sponsor. Mm-hmm. So there's things, thank you. They thank you to Honda for the 40 plus years of, of commitment. Uh, and the, the thought it may not keep this place on the schedule. They might, they might move the tournament, but whoever the new sponsor is, is going to get the benefit of, you know, a commitment by the tour to try and restore that this this tournament just just you know within the last decade you know was was clocking some vit, some tip, tip top players and has major winners uh amongst the list of winners over the last 10 years yeah so it's, it's listen it, and it's a real golf course this is the toughest non-major course on tour it plays over a stroke and a half above par on average most water balls on tour in the past three years it's, it's got the highest double bogey or worst percentage on tour and it, and it 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 brings in so much goddamn water, but it's only a par seventy with two par fives. So yeah. a lot of guys who aren't as long can get in the mix here. And it, it usually, the, you know, we had Sepp Straka last year pull it out. Thank God, be, not thank God, but uh, for him, thank God because God opened up the skies and rained on Shane Lowry. I I mean, pretty amazing, right? And, and basically took a win away from him. So That's we got exactly some interesting right. storylines this week. Yeah, so let's start naming names. Let's 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 uh, clock a few names here. Uh, the the top of the board is Sep there to defend his title. Sung J M, who's um, won here and and performs well. Something about this venue really suits him. You can't make up a dance card and not have Sung J involved. Shane is back. Uh, Billy Horschel signed up for it. Aaron Wise is here. Aaron Wise two miscuts, but you know a guy that a lot of um, Analytics folks in the golf community were bullish on coming into this season because of of you know a lot of the improvements that he's made uh, in aspects of his own strokes gained categories. Um, that's kind of the list. There are a bunch of other interesting guys, um, and I know I, I have a few selections for top twenties that I'm going to play, but I'm going to let you have the floor first. Who you have your eye on? I, I'm seeing Danny Willett at sixty five to one. Wow, I'm so happy that you mentioned him on my list as well. Well, he was T18 at, at Riv. He almost won at Napa. Got a little shaky on 18, and Max chipped in. And God knows I would have been shaky uh, after watching Max chip in and the place explode. But Danny, Danny's game is is coming back into form here, and in a field that's a bit, shall we say, diluted, he looks interesting. I also, and I've avoided saying this because. I don't totally trust Peter Malnati, even though I love him. But yeah, he's got... Wonderful he, guy. Yeah. I mean, look, he was tied for 20th last week. He was tied for 20th at Torrey. He tied for fourth at Pebble. Pebble, yeah. He's playing pretty damn well. And again, this is not a course where you got to bomb and gouge. 
So it's the kind of course that that he may be able to play decently. And and this is how Peter Malnati stays on tour. He's got a couple of weeks where the game is in form and he goes and just nom, 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 Pac-Man's up every bit of points and money that he can. And it's generally enough to keep him up. So I like Malnati this week. It's a great call. I, I, I like it a lot. I have a couple names further down the card. Well, no, not further. Johnny Vegas. A, 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 anytime you, you see this event on the calendar, I, I my mind's eye is always watching Johnny Vegas go on little heaters. He's made the cut in nine of the ten, 10 times that he's played here. He's in decent form. He had shoulder surgery. Um, and, and, uh, he made cuts in, 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 you know, recent for recently and, and, you know, decent enough at, at Riv. So just a yeah, guy he shot a 67 on Thursday. It, it, yeah. Like it's in him. It's in him. That That's right. For, for having shoulder surgery, but just a guy with the, the experience at this place. And speaking of guys with experience at this place, should I put it in the form of a question? It might be rude. Maybe you already uh, saw this, this tidbit. I'm going to ask you. Uh, there is a player in the field. He's number one in the field in strokes gained T to green at PGA national among players with more than one start at this place. I don't know. Is it Chris Kirk? It's not, but Chris Kirk, I, I, I like, and, and, you know, could see, uh, showing up on the dance card. It's Benny on. Penny ben, on Benny's back. Benny didn't have his tour card last year. He had to go down to the KFT. He, he won did. down there and he he placed in the top 10 a bunch of times. Also, he's had four starts at this venue and two of those starts include top five finishes. Mm -hmm. So a little sprinkle on Benny on with a, with a, you know, he's exactly the kind of guy that we're talking about who wants to stay on tour has yep. previously been on tour. Yeah. Can go collect some points. Very comfortable at this venue. Uh, makes the cut. He's made it at the cut in all four of, of his 2023 calendar events. Um, so little little sprinkle on Benny on this week. I, I'm I'm willing to do it. Well, I don't hate it. I think it, look. I don't. I think you're right that Sung Jay is due for a win. I didn't love 74 73 on the weekend last week, and you know that I'm, I I do I do like the sort of momentum plays. Adam Svensson T nine last week. Sure, sure. He was T nine here last year. Yeah. He seems to be playing good golf. I don't think he's going to win, but I, I I don't mind him for a top 20 at all. Uh, it, it, it's a little bit scary because he's one of those guys who at some point is going to flame out and we're not going to hear from him for three months potentially. But I, I, I think you got to ride him while he's, while he's on a little bit of a Canadian heater. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, in, in that same vein, why not a tiny bit on Lee Hodges? Mm -hmm. uh, we saw him all over the, the the board. Now he he faded a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, it's okay at, at Riv, but he he had a top ten finish uh, at his debut at this event uh, a year ago. Why why not? You know, if, if he's feeling good vibes and and he feels like he can top ten, that's worth a, a sprinkle to me. Yeah. Do you do you go do you go very hard after Shane Lowry the Shane Lowry Revenge Tour? Do you do you buy into that or you think it's it's going to be overplayed? I don't want any part of Shane Lowry right now. There's something okay. going on with That's him. That's what I'm asking. He fired the caddy. He's like, yep. like crazy inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, I, he's a stay away until we see him sort of right the ship and, and string a few great performances together. For sure he can win. <laughs> like don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He definitely can come out and win this event. He's got exactly the right game. He showed us that uh, last year. Um, but I, I just don't want any part of, of what he's selling at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that that takes the top two guys on the odds board 
off the table if you're worried you're not worried about Sung Jay. I'm a little worried about Sung Jay and I don't like the odds on Sung Jay. I mean I'm seeing well, that's right. Yeah. Eight to yeah, one. I, Get out of here. I I don't mind your your Chris Kirk uh kind of thought there he might get some top 20 for me and i'll look for him in some head-to-head see if if i can get some value head-to-head wise he played he had a top 10 at last year's honda and you know we we have uh two third place finishes from him in january um and if you believe that like uh bay hill and the sony open are sort of loosely correlated enough to to this thing uh chris kirk's performed well at those you know that that's that's kind of reason enough to, for him to to catch a little bit of interest. Yeah, it could. Do you put any weight into the Cootie brothers? Pearson Pearson got a sponsor's exemption. Parker qualified this morning. D- d- like Pearson Cootie's playing pretty good golf. His problem has been that when he gets into these big tournaments, he's been missing the cut. I just wonder oh. if could we? I mean, he's he's like plus one sixty to top forty, which is effectively make the cut, right? Yeah. Ish. Uh, maybe uh, we don't like it. I'd rather just have. I want to see if any book will write for us a um, cootie on cootie uh, head to head. That that's what I would bet. You want I'd all like the cooties have, you can get. Yeah, I would like to have a little action on some cootie. You understand how we do it here, McDog. <laughs> uh, I think on that note, we uh, should jump over to Megan Schuster, patiently waiting for us to talk about this full swing documentary. Uh, we have some thoughts. We're going to get them out uh, in this show, and we maybe we'll get, continue to talk about it as the season sort of drags along here. But uh, let's let's go ahead and jump over and see what Schusty has to share with us about the full swing. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Sweat. (laughs) You mean armpit tears of weakness brought about by poor deodorant choices? Say goodbye to that salty river that floweth from your underarm with Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Made for 24-7 sweat protection with daily use and an undeniable smell of cedarwood and lime. Mmm. Giving you the confidence you need to quit your job, move to a remote island, and spend your days frolicking with dolphins. Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Shop Old Spice now. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, Bernie Buddies, we have been threatening to do this since the arrival, the full slate of Full Swing on Netflix. It's like the, it's definitely still in the top five. Is it number two or number three right now? Uh, Megan Schuster of The Ringer, who gave us a, a, a deep dive review of the episodes. She has an article up uh, on the ringer.com right this second. Shusty, welcome. What? Where is where is full swing right now in the on the charts? 
Um, that's a great question. I should know this because I went back and watched a couple of episodes earlier today. Let me check. I think they appeared like right at the top of your it's definitely top five. But and, and at one point it was all the way up to number it's two. 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 It's two, you're right. Number there two. There we go. People are Chad watching. Mom. Chad Mum <laughs> taking flowers from everywhere. Um kudos to them. Very strategic, very brilliant in terms of, of, of timing. They themselves could not have anticipated getting uh, the Tiger Boost, which I think uh, is fair enough to say, you know, Tiger back in the orbit all and, and, and where um, his event sort of fall, fell on the sports calendar. They could have anticipated it. Well, his event. Tiger's event. Sh- his he event. going to play this thing. You, dude, he was going to play this thing. We were talking about this separately. But, but, but Schusty. So thank you. You were uh, instrumental in Nathan Hubbard and I getting the streamers ahead of time. We were able to consume, compare some 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 notes. Uh, let let's hit sort of right right off the top your sort of overall reaction to um, the narrative arc and and your your sort of big picture takeaways. Yeah, Shusty. What I, I'm dying to ask you is this good? <laughs> Save <laughs> I it. Think- I I think that was honestly my biggest question coming away from all eight episodes is like I, I binge watched them, I think, over the course of, of two days once I got the screeners, just because I was so curious what this is going to be. I'm a big Drive to Survive fan that got me into Formula One many years ago. So I was really hoping this might you know be good enough to have the same effect um, in terms of narrative arc. I, I can't really tell you that there was one. For me, um, I enjoyed the episodes kind of as their own sort of standalone entry points into a few of the players on tour. But other than that, I, I can't say that there was a whole lot more meat on the bone for me. I I will say my, my biggest thing coming away from this is I am hoping that this was sort of them setting the stage for future seasons, maybe having some higher stakes, maybe getting into more of the real full season kind of arcs and and things that it took a drive to survive a few seasons to get into too. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I I came away feeling very meh about the whole thing. Meh. Yeah. So let me ask this uh, and, and I'll just confess my own bias. I don't want to apply my bias to the two of you, but I couldn't answer the question. Who is this for? Who is the audience? Who is this intended for? Because on the one hand, they were very deliberate, the producers uh, in, in, in the way that they delivered this to the viewing public to explain some very fundamental things about competitive professional golf. Uh, and then on the other hand, you know, there were certain aspects of um, different of the characters that they chose and the stories that were told that made a lot of sense for deep golf sickos, maybe not as much sense for novices. Uh, and it felt like they were trying to straddle a little bit, but that that's my own sort of bias. I couldn't answer the question as to who the intended audience was. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, yeah, there were, there were definitely moments where they would really kind of dive in and explain what the cut was and how people get paid and, you know, what the logistics of a major are, you know, kind of like how many days do they run? When does the cut happen and all of that? Um, But it it was 
tricky. And and I'm sure that, you know, they're if, if you were to ask one of the producers, I'm sure they would say our audience is everyone because you're you're wanting to reach the most people with something like this, of course. But um, it, it was a very tricky line to walk. Um, and, and I'm not totally sure. I I kind of wish that I was able to watch these episodes having no golf experience and having the experience I have. I rewatched the first episode earlier today and I was like, would I have liked this if I was just coming in cold turkey, having, you know, heard of Jordan, uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and not really understanding the fact that they were friends. But it's it's weird. It's I I don't know that it's necessarily for one side or the other. And and I wish that I could come at it from both angles and, and see which one made more sense to me. Yeah, they they sort of stumbled into some narratives, didn't they? It was clear they were at the Phoenix Open. It was clear they were at the PGA. They were at the U.S. Open. They're, they're those like intertwined stories around the PGA. Mito choking it, JT winning it, and while Spieth was struggling, Fitzpatrick coming in second and then going on to win the U.S. Open. But it was almost like that was an unintentional thing that they didn't really summarize and piece together. My question for you, Megan, is who comes out of this as a star? I mean, I think I know what you're going to say, but does anybody get the big ass, you know, the equivalent of the podcast boost? Like who gets who gets put into the next stratosphere because of this or does anybody? I think the obvious one is Joel Damon, if only because he comes across as so wonderfully relatable and so normal in a series where very few of the other guys come across as like your everyday person. They're all talking about, you know, the mental side of the game and how difficult golf is and how impossible it is if you're not giving it 135% every time you tee it up. And he really comes in and is very open in his self-doubt and his questioning of his own performance. And I personally, as someone who is trying to get back into the whole working out thing, found his gym footage very relatable when he was in there with his wife and his wife was like, you know, I'm kicking your ass. Right. And he was like, yeah, I, I do know that um, they were wonderful. I came away really. In, and I don't know if this is going to be a wider spread thing or if this is kind of the golf nerd in me, but I came away with a greater appreciation for Matt Fitzpatrick. And like, you know, all the broadcasts will talk about how fully methodical he is. And we got the shot of all of his, you know, old notebooks at his house that he's been keeping for, you know, over a decade. But just to see his approach and see how genuinely into golf he is and how he really is kind of working his his own steps and thinks that that's going to be what vaults him up. I, I thought that that was really, really nice to see, too. I, what did you guys think? Did anyone else stand out to you? I mean, I'm weirdly biased in this. Joel Damon was in my house on Friday. I was hung over as hell on Saturday because Joel missed the goddamn cut at Riviera. And he massively overstayed his welcome, climbed into my bed at 3 a.m. and poured a scotch down my throat. And then when I woke up and like looked around and texted like who pooped in my like it just I had the worst taste in my mouth ever. Joel was already in line at the American Airlines terminal at LAX to take a flight home to go see <laughs> Lana. Like, and he texts me like a picture of him. You can't even see it, but like he texts me a picture of him standing in line to probably go sit in seat 32B in the middle to get back to Phoenix. So I have a super weird uh, uh, 
perspective on all this. I sat my mom down because she was in town on Saturday after Joel left. She'd met him at dinner and I had her watch that episode without telling her anything. And at the end, she said, oh, he seems like a very nice young man. I was like, mom, you met him last night. She didn't even remember. <laughs> so she couldn't even put the two the two people <laughs> together to know that there was, that was Joel Damon. So I, I, I'm biased on this one because I think he's great. I just couldn't tell how like powerfully impactful that was. The internet seems to really love it. And, and there's a lot of the protect Joel Damon at all costs, which I, which I feel about. I will say this. I wanted more from the Rory episode. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And even this week at Riviera, it is so clear that Rory is wearing the weight of being the shadow commissioner on his shoulders very heavily. And that it might even be in some cases impacting his golf. But you saw that storyline there. We just didn't get underneath this guy. You know, they didn't tell the story about him choking the masters, right? And that that's his white whale at this point. He's close to a career grand slam. And again, maybe it's not for us. Maybe it's not for us. But there's so much more to the psyche of some of these guys that I I, I felt like the only person psyche that we really learned deeply about was Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad you're walking us up there. Yeah, let's go. There. Let, let me give you a reaction first to the Rory. Tell point. me that. Here's what I felt was criminal malpractice, and there might be, I'm sure there are certainly reasonable explanations for for why it's so. You cannot, cannot, cannot under any circumstances have the Open Championship end the way it did and then have nothing at all about Rory McIlroy's life yep. until you fast forward two weeks later to him at an event with a bunch of children. You just yep. cannot do that. Unless you're not serious, unless this is a docudrama, infomercial, info light kind of presentation, which I'm prepared to accept uh, is indeed the case. So you think, that, that, you think they wanted him and he didn't give it to them or was it just maybe, they missed it? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying you can't hold yourself out to be sort of, you know, telling this tale in this moment, especially in the face of the live existential threat. Yeah. You, and, and, and the revelation that Rory talked to Cam Smith, they had a one-on-one before that event Yeah, about what, what Cam Smith's goals and intentions were. And then we have absolutely nothing, a blackout, a two week blackout, like dude, everything happened in those two weeks. He's the most important player, Rory McIlroy. I accept that. We've been watching it. It's terrific. Anyway, so that that's my uh, sort of response on, on, on that particular episode, and I think it's very much in line with what both of you are saying. I personally loved um, getting to know Sahit Tagala a little bit better, mm. um, rooting hard for him, think that he could be a star. Uh, we like betting on him. Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've done fairly well but i i do want to get into this brooks kepka thing yes because i have a theory mm, and i wonder okay. if i should share the theory or if i should let you guys give your reaction to the show first let me give the theory okay. here's the theory i think that signed with live well in advance of of when this footage capturing his own career crisis occurred i and believe this is a apology tour or what 
No, he got on. And it's not apologies at all. Explanation. He, he came on and he, he he put up the justification for why it is that he took the money. He's like, yeah. you know, he, he 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 it was a it was a very well conceived and constructed narrative. I you know I I don't accept the notion that Brooks Kepka is a big dummy. Um, and one of the things that has come through in the uh, articles and the behind the scenes that folks have tried at various points with him, including the GQ article, we had that author on. That guy spent a lot of time with him, and this was at the top of, of Brooks's powers. He's like, he's capturing it all, processing it. So I, I, I my, my view is that that was a calculated presentation that provided the pretext for what he'd already decided to do. Okay, That's but Shusty, I want to hear your reaction to that, but I, I have to hear, you dropped a little bit of a woge bomb in your piece, which is you insinuated that Brooks might come back. So so this is not from me. This is, I have to credit Alan Shipnook with this. He did a, I think it was a mailbag column or something last week. And he was asked in there who he thought the first live golfer might be to have. I think it was like buyer's remorse or the first one that might try to make a comeback to the PGA Tour. And Alan in his reporting had said, you know, he was already hearing rumblings that Brooks was regretting his decision and was not happy with Liv. Um, Not totally clear, you know why or or if it's you know the golf aspect of it if it's all of the you know kind of weird self promotion that they've been doing heading into this season or you know some some kind of combination of factors but having it to seems spend like, time with Bryson DeChambeau yeah yeah <laughs> that's probably a big one um so yeah so that was something that Alan reported and something that I found very fascinating considering a lot of what he said in this episode and that his what he's been saying all along that his main drive is to win and you know, in live, you're not really winning at anything. Even if you do win, you know, it's a group win. It's, um, he did cry when, when he won in, in, in the fall at, at the event that nobody watched. But he do did you cry think, you think all of this was calculated? I mean, Meg, do you believe, do you believe that? Do you think that I, I, I actually felt like I understood Brooks's decision and his waffling better. Also his prickliness mm-hmm. and defensiveness. Because he's such like a dude, but he so clearly had lost his confidence and just not learned how to be vulnerable in front of people until he got in front of the cameras. I don't know. He comes away from this a way more sympathetic figure than I feel like I've ever seen from him in any media. Like like they even played that um, waste post waste management press conference where he got, you know, a little bit pissy with the reporter and. You know, the reporter was like, what do you take away from this? And he was like, nothing. I just played like shit. And it's hearing him actually open up about all of it. And I think the scene that I enjoyed the most or found the most illuminating was the one with his mom with, you know, the mostly mm-hmm. empty trophy case behind him. And he's just sitting there and he is it's like so convenient. anguished. It's, yeah. It's so yeah. Amazing. Funny, wow. Funny how the two that, of them together, how... Brooks with his mom in front of the empty trophy case. What an Funny amazing that, coincidence that happens. But he just sounded anguished over the fact that Scotty Scheffler is out here winning all of these tournaments and, you yeah. know, is not going through the same mental gymnastics every day that Brooks is. And he's like, you know, when you're playing like that, you're not thinking about golf. All I do is think about golf. And I, I found that really, really telling and and very uh, 
hard. You know, it's it was actually hard to watch. And I thought he came away from that. Yeah, way more sympathetic than I've ever felt towards him. He just always painted himself as the guy who was too cool for school. I'm not friends with anybody on tour. I think golfers are kind of nerds. It's not a real sport. I just show Mm -hmm. up and kick everybody's ass and then I leave. And to see somebody in such disarray at such a low point, it it was, I I think they were right to not make it the opening episode because they're right. It was a little depressing. But I, I still, I don't know. I, I, I'm, you, I, so neither I, one of you agree. You, you, I don't you're giving him the him benefit of the doubt. You're giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's fine. I don't, I don't mind it. It, it it's totally cool. I do want to chime in on the rumor of him leaving. Um, some of the folks in the golf sort of media community have expressed skepticism to me about Shipnuck having any particular access that would be right. revealing as it relates to Brooks. Um, in, in no small part because um, Brooks hates Alan and anybody <laughs> in in Brooks's entire orbit or or anybody that that would would touch Brooks um, revealing anything about Brooks's in, intentions but we we love Alan this is not disparaging Alan it's it's yeah. it's, it's merely you know uh, whatever rumblings he might be hearing where they're coming from I will say it did have the ring of truthiness he would be the one that I would circle as yeah. most likely to do it because it has occurred to them that they're not on television. If you want to watch golfers on television, you can watch what we just saw this past weekend. The first seven minutes of the Friday Sports Center about Tiger Woods and the Genesis Open. Sports Center leads with golf. You know what tour that is? It's the PGA Tour, not the Live Tour. And you know who cares about being on television? Much, much, much more than Brooks, Jenna. Jenna Sim don't <laughs> like not being on no TV. They're, it's a television show, and they're not on it. And it's a gigantic television show, and they could be on it, but they decided to not be on it because they took all this money because Brooks kept, keeps getting injured and can't play competitive golf against the, 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 those guys he's been going up against. Anyway. And by the way, got his brother a sweetheart deal. Great job by him. You know, Terrific. There's mm-hmm. another narrative that came through that, again, this this weekend reminded me, and that was last year when when uh, Jocko Neiman won at Riviera. He came off that green, and every single one of the Latin players was standing there waiting for him. And the rumors were swirling a bit there, but that group is ridiculously close. And frankly, outside of Cam Smith, those are the only guys who are actual real golfers, right? And And... <sighs> The Norman pitch, it worked on those guys. He was able to get that group to believe that, you know, they could represent a continent and that the team concept mattered. And that so then, you know, I guess my question that I wish they would have explored a little more is like, why why didn't it work on some of the other guys? Like, why didn't it work on the guys from his home country? If it worked on the Latin guys, why did it not work on Adam Scott or Jason Day? what fell flat and they just didn't get into those narratives. And again, maybe there's just no time for it, but I, 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 the only other problem I have with the, with the one on Mido is every episode started with a warning that there was smoking in each episode and there was no smoking in each episode. Mido and his wife chain smoke like a motherfucker. And none of that was in the goddamn thing. I wanted to see that. If you want to humanize these people, show them like chain smoking as Mido's 
tri- double bogeying the 18th at, at the PGA to lose it. That would have been the realest shit. Yeah, I, I felt a lot like a lot of the live stuff fell sort of flat to me. And maybe that's just because I've been reading about it a lot last year and following it relatively closely. But I came away from all of that, not really feeling like I'd learned anything more than I already knew coming in. And that was one of the storylines I was most excited for this season was to see what kind of inner workings they had, if they had any, you know, footage of the backdoor conversations or any of those conversations between Rory and Tiger and Jordan and all of those guys who are, you know, kind of trying to help reshape the PGA tour to keep people around. And I didn't feel like I gained any more insight into any of that. I would have loved, of course, to have heard from Phil or have had much of anything beyond weird to not have him beyond the fact that he wasn't at the PGA championship this year. I felt like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the only time he was really mentioned in, in the series, which you know, I'm I'm sure he probably chose not to participate given that this series is associated with the PGA Tour and all of that. But that was a really big hole to me, especially the Phil stuff. Did How did you end up feeling about Poulter? Because that was the one where we really saw the decision. Like, did, did it make you more sympathetic or does he come off as just a weenie to you? Um, I, I didn't feel any more sympathetic to him. I I felt like the stuff with his kids um, was sort of designed for me to feel sympathy for him. And the fact that, you know, he's like, I, I can't really play anymore. I got to provide for my four kids. And I was like, Meanwhile, yeah, but he's you're fl- like flying private to right, London. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was like, you have, you know, homes around the world. You have private jet access for you and your kids. I I, I was like, you know what? If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. And that is what it is. But I didn't feel any better about it from his perspective. Yeah, I will say that, you know, the... Poulter piece was basically just sort of confirmatory evidence of of what we understood to be the motivation for him. And one of the things that Nate and I talked about a lot as this thing came together in the first part of last year was the difference between the rest of world golfers and the U.S. golfers in terms of the treatment that they get from the DP World Tour from the Australia, uh, the the Australian tours, the South African tours, I I don't think it's a it's a mistake that that there was an appeal to rest of world golfers, a case that Greg Norman could make about the PGA Tour as a, as a bullying and you know kind of exclusionary um, entity, and and that resonated primarily with um, like Lee Westwood and and Poulter. The old heads, maybe a little bit to, to to Henrik Stenson as well. And then it wasn't that, you know, for for, for the Australians, I mean, Nate, there's an Australian team. It, it It's, it's you know, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Matt Jones. Now, he didn't get Jason Day or Adam Scott. Um, I know, but, uh, you know, there, there are, we have a South African yeah. team. We have a South American it, it, it team. Worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for the rest of world guys. Um not as as compelling for many mainstream U.S. golfers, other than Bryson and DJ and 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 Brooks and 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 Patrick Reed. Um, but you know, I I I, I uh, think as this plays out, if if there is any pathway for Live to succeed, it will be creating these kinds of, you know, using these teams as, as creating sort of rivalries that are based on, on sort of the, the, the world, uh, competition. 
and, and have and creating a, a brand that has a a world competition sort of uh, uh, element to it. So we've established that we're not sure who this is for. We've established that we're not even sure if this is good or not, although it's enjoyable watching. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be a season two? Yes, there is, because we've seen the Netflix cameras, at least we know they're following Homa. I've seen them up in his grill. But what do you think they're going to do in season two? Do they do they continue this individual player storyline? Do they try to put together the timeline of a season? Like, what do you think we should expect for for where they go from here? I I do hope that they try to put together a timeline of a season. I th I think something that kind of splits the difference between these player profiles and and something that gets at some of whether it's you know, bigger trends in a certain season or, or even just how golf works. Like, like how do these players train? I would love an episode about that. How do they, you know, come back from a, you know, Jordan Spieth like mental lapse or a Brooks Kepka like mental lapse. I, I think there's a lot of ground in there to just see, you know, we heard a lot in this first season about, oh, well, a lot of, you know, these guys, they're they're just so good because they're so tough mentally and they're so great at grinding it out and they have all of this focus. But um, I, I would love some some more kind of tech look into that. And how did these guys actually, you know, develop? We got a little bit of that with like Justin Thomas and his dad. But outside of that, I didn't feel like I learned much more about how these guys come at the game themselves. So I, I like getting to know more players like you said I loved um Sahith's storyline and and his dad was adorable and meeting all these players families is, is really fun for me but I like like Drive to Survive has started to do this a bit more too where they'll sprinkle in one to two maybe three player profiles a season and use the rest of the episodes to kind of try to build up this arc about you know whether it's the championship or the cost cap or all of these kind of new things that are affecting the sport and I, I hope that this show is able to kind of build on itself so that once we're introduced to these characters a bit more, we can have more real storylines and real stakes. That's the thing that, that to me is the one element that we have to have in season two. We, we have to have stakes. There has to be, we we've done, they've done a wonderful job of creating this. Here, here's the introduction to the tour. Here's an introduction to some of the most interesting characters with the notable exception of Colin Morikawa, who for whatever reason they fucking murdered. I don't know why they <laughs> why did that did to him. Why did they turn him into a little I, prick? I don't know. I don't He's have like an answer. super not. Really, I, really tough at it. Really they tough murdered, at it. They murdered the homie. But other than the homie Colin Morikawa, uh, you know, they introduced us to lots of, you know, interesting characters. So like, okay, here are the characters. Now let's see the fucking show. Put on the show, please. We want to see the show. There's so much. You, Megan, you touched on it. Like one genuine conversation in the locker room about Liv. We can't have one of those. Not one. None occurred. There's not one agent talking to two players about, you know, what's good. None of that. We have none. No, Nobody. There's no footage of that. They, they allege that they left 4,000 hours of footage on the cutting room floor. Let's get some of that shit and put it back, you know, paste it together and let's have another eight episodes this year while you're filming, you know, the, 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 the upcoming, the 2023 season. And we, we can watch that one too. I mean, let, let's give, give, give us some red meat for Christ's sakes. 
Anyway, I'll, I'll calm down in a minute, Schusty. Listen to you. You're all worked up. Look, it's a failure. <laughs> this year, I think, will be a failure if they don't capture the saving of the PGA Tour. If they don't mm-hmm. find a way to document that Delaware meeting and the way in which Tiger and Rory really rallied the troops. That's the story at this point. And then there's mm-hmm. the individual and golf is hard and you know all the mental stuff behind the scenes. But th- that is an epic sports story pretty much of all time. And maybe the problem is Tiger doesn't need this shit. And ti- the last thing Tiger wants is cameras in his house. So it's going to be kind of hard to get without him. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that the elevated events thing leads to kind of more of a, a through line for the story. I, I am sympathetic to the fact that with golf, it's a little bit challenging because these guys aren't all playing together on a week to week basis like you get with other sports where it's always the same people going up against each other. But hopefully with, you know, these guys kind of guaranteed to be at X number of events throughout the season, not just the majors, maybe we'll get to see more courses and more um, you know, ups and downs throughout the whole season rather than taking one weekend into account where we see, you know, five different storylines from the waste management and we're going to Tulsa a number of times and and we don't really see much outside of those events. Um, I, I think that would be nice for next next season. There's so much that's riding on making the top 70 this year as we're starting to see the bifurcation. There's basically going to be two tours. The top 70 guys are going to get to play everything and then who else they're playing against or whether anybody else is even at those th- some of these tournaments is still TBD. Like I want those cameras at the Wyndham tracking the guy who finishes 71st. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's somebody's going to miss a putt on 18 or double boat and and that's going to take them from 68 to 71 and that's the story that's going to be, you know, heartbreaking failure. Anyway, there's really great stuff. I just think golf is complicated. It's hard to be all things to all people. I just hope they go get the stories that matter because God, why, you know, I I don't really want to see what Max Homa ate for lunch while everybody else knows that they're on camera and has the Jenna Sims instinct to insert themselves into the narrative. Like, let's get the stories this season. Let's get the stories this season. All right. Thank you, Megan Schuster. We always appreciate having you on. Everybody check out the ringer.com. The story is up right now. Eight takeaways, eight. What's it called? Um, I think it's eight takeaways from full swing or the first season of full swing, something like that. Something like that. It's up right. The second ringer.com. Anytime you're, you want to come on, you're on Schusty. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Always. All right. There you have it. My par saving pals, my birdie buddies, my Eagle enthusiasts. Our thanks to Megan Schuster for coming on and helping us break down this full swing thing on the Netflix. Our thanks to Eduardo Campo helping us with the ones and the twos on production. And we are back next week with another episode of the Fairway Rolling. Hope everybody has a little uh, ROI at the Honda Classic. In the meantime, it's going to be 70 degrees here on the East Coast on Thursday. Please go find your way to a, to a golf course and throw a peg in the ground. And if you do that, let's hit them straight out there. <laughs>